Welcome back to the Run Alive podcast. This week's guest has had a passion for running firmly in his life since the day he was born. We used to get at primary school, we used to get like purple ribbons if you won sports day. And, you know, you're only in there for a short period of time, but they would go on the mantelpiece next to a world record trophy. He's the son of a world record-breaking athlete, a former elite athlete himself, and now he is a professional race director. There's nothing as good and in life as being young and good at sport, you know? Um, and, um, yeah, so, that, yeah, that's sort of, yeah, so that's, that's what he said, and I, I sort of follow that as well, you know? It's, it was a great period. I look back at it in lots of fun times. Lots, you know, and again, it, it's... it's then, then PBs and everything else. It's not just about that. I, I, I remember spanking Mo around Bushy Park, um, which was you know one of them one of them tempo training sessions that turned into a race. It was a week after he just won the national and beat Pete Riley over you know so he had a lot a lot in his legs, um, and it was the Thursday after, and I pushed him right to the end. He had to do a and so. I, that's not on my PB list or anything like that, but that's up there as, as you know, and some of the good, um, some of the good parts of it. We talked to him this week about saying yes more, throwing himself into stuff, and what happens when things go well, and conversely, when they don't. It, it, probably one of the worst days of my life. Um, just, just we, we, the day before, on the hottest day of the year, we put on a 10K in Kew Gardens, 1,300 runners or something. We didn't have one heat stroke issue. Um, medical were all comfortable. Our control room was that. You sort of felt, you know, I don't know, you just felt ready for it and, and, and that. And then everything was fine up until about 10 o'clock. And then, and then, you know, runners starting dropping down and um listen at the end of the day um without getting into too much detail and and um and making me cry um the the yeah it just wasn't good enough and 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 once our medical once the medical team who were fantastic um once they were overloaded we we you know we, we needed some outsource um you know we needed some more um some more um, ambulances Welcome to the Run Alive podcast, Tom Bedford. My name is Tom Bedford. I am coming up to almost the 4-0. I'm the race director of RunFest, and we organise um, six events next year. Um, the biggest one, Richmond, Richmond RunFest. Um, I've been a, we've been doing that for 11 years with my lovely wife, Jade. Um, so we're based in sort of southwest London. I used to, in a former life, um, before I started collecting fats around my bed waist, I was a, a 219 runner. Um, I used to do steeplechase as a junior. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, um, there's a bit, I hope there's a bit more to me than that, but um, <laughs> start off with that. <laughs> Tom, what makes you come alive? Um, Friends, social settings, um, um, yeah, taking taking myself out of the comfort zone. I, I like to push myself. I'm always a sort of yes person, um, and uh, and yeah, I think that's that's the sort of general a general thing of that. I play. I currently play since I've given up running. I play football now, so um, I enjoy chasing after a leather ball around a pitch with a lot of sweaty men. Um, 
Um, and I'll definitely get back into running, but it's sort of not not quite there at the moment. Um, and um, but yeah, that's that's sort of um, yeah, just just being with other people and uh, and uh, trying to enjoy life. Awesome, Tom. Welcome to the podcast. And um, even though you're not running personally very much at the moment, running is something that's been ever present in your life. Whether that's growing up with a world record breaking dad. <laughs> to coaching, running yourself, um, and now, obviously, well, you directed the Olympic trials marathon race during during COVID. Um, we want to get into all of that in the next 30 minutes or so, but start by telling us about your early running. You you had a dream and a belief that you'd make it as a pro, is that right? Yeah, I mean, you, regardless, any child out there always sort of had that image that you're going to be better than your dad, um, or, or certainly <laughs> I did, and... Um, we used to get at primary school, we used to get like purple ribbons if you won sports day and, you know, you're only in there for a short period of time, but they would go on the mantelpiece next to a world record trophy. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I cast, I cast it much higher than that world record trophy. And, and, you know, it was a, it's sort of a bit of a never, inevitability um, that I would be putting more things on there. And, and I was a much better athlete. Um, and then, and then reality certainly didn't do that, but I was a good junior. I love football, um, continued with running. I won, um, sorry, second in English schools as a junior cross country. I won the steeplechase English schools, um, at the age of 17 or 18. Um, so yeah, it was, was certainly very, very talented, um, grew up in a great era of, um, of other runners around that time. Um, and yeah, went to St. Mary's. Um, you actually lived with Mo Farah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First, I was opposite rooms in halls as as Mo, so oh. constantly asking him to turn Tupac music down. <laughs> um, I knew it. I knew it was a Tupac. Fan. <laughs> he looks like Tupac, actually. He's very good. He does. Very good Right, but um, yeah, no, he's um, so yeah, yeah, sort of um, in 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 and around the sort of performance centre. That's a great performance centre down at St Mary's in Southwest London, leafy Southwest London. Um, and yeah, was trying to you know go to that next step. Um, trained trained hard, probably played played a bit too hard as well socially, um, but certainly felt as though I was going to do something, and that something never came. Um, I had a bit of a break and then ended up coming back, having a sort of second go at it, doing the, taking up the marathon and ended up running 219, hmm. 219 for a marathon um, before, yeah, getting a bit of arthritis in my toe um, and then going into sort of race directing. Ah. Tom, we're not, we're not like here to pump up your ego, but your running CV is incredible. Can I, I'm just curious to check, do you look back with genuine pride on those achievements because i would <laughs> how do you feel about them I, I do feel i think most athletes and listen I, i'm very fortunate to socialize with some of the greats some of the national champions and, and going down and and i think there's you know regardless of a level whether you're you know maybe not mo but, but maybe you're an olympic <laughs> champion a national champion um you know i've, I've been a, a part of many privileged conversations over a beer and um i think every, every athlete regardless of level um you share that i could have done more i could have done this and and everything else and it's um um so yeah i i, I certainly look back at that i i certainly wouldn't class um 
again, not in a sort of big headed sort of thing. It's just, yeah, I, I, I look at that 219 and just knew I could have probably ran 214. I said that once in front of Collis Birmingham. It was an Australian um, half marathon record holder. And he says, we'd had a couple of beers. He said, oh, well, you've done it then, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. but, you know, it's sort of like, yeah, of course I haven't. And that's, and that's the beauty and that's the challenge. And, um, you know, it's, it's uh, regardless of the training, regardless of you knowing that you could do something, you've either done it or you haven't, um, mm. which is sort of the harsh reality of of the sport but yeah listen I look back at and there are things that I yeah this yeah nothing beats I'm copying this from my old man he said this the other night we're away on holiday with him at the moment and um and someone else asked him a similar question he said there's nothing there's nothing as good and in life as being young and good at sport you know um yeah and um yeah so that yeah so yeah so that's that's what he said and I, I sort of follow that as well you know it's it was a great period i look back at it and lots of fun times lots you know and again it, it's it's then then pbs and everything else it's not just about that i yeah. I, I remember spanking mo around bushy park um, <laughs> which was you know one of them one of them tempo training sessions that turned into a race it was a week yeah. after he just won the national and beat Pete Riley over, you know, so he had a lot, a lot on his legs. Um, and it was the Thursday after, and I pushed him right to the end. He had to do a, a so I, that's not on my PB list or anything like that, but that's up there <laughs> as, as, you know, as, as some of the good, um, some of the uh, good parts of it. We, we don't release the video to this podcast, which is a shame because just how you look right now is absolutely <laughs> brilliant. And there'll be a lot of people listening who will know exactly what that, what, what um, bit of bushy part you're talking about and what a session yeah, in there looks you know, like as well. Regardless of any session, really, you know, you, you, you've all got sessions that you've just absolutely nailed, whoever the club, top club guy, or if you're a junior athlete and beating that person and stuff like that. So, yeah, no, I, I look back at it. I, I wish I'd, I'd have done more. I had lots of injuries, blah, blah, blah. We all have excuses and and wow. that, but yeah, no, it's it's all right. It's all right. I'm not I'm not um, negative on it. And I certainly don't hear negativity or or bitterness. You so you had sort of two um, really sustained periods of focused sort of intensity in in your sort of earlier athletic career, and then you had to kind of make that decision that I'm not going to kind of push to the pro elite level anymore. What was that? decision like just take us through a little bit of the emotions and the thinking around that the actual decision was absolutely fine I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd been out to South Africa for training and I was there for two months maybe two and a half over Christmas by myself for a lot of it um, and I overtrained. I, I was training three times a day push 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 everything was just too much not enough recovery um, you know every gym session was I've got to do this to the tea, not listening to the body, came back, my body was in pieces, still pushed myself on, you know, we're back in February or something like that, it's a horrible weather, I'm still out at six o'clock in the morning trying to get in the double runs and everything else and your sort of body's saying, listen, you need to, <laughs> I know it's the start of the season, but you need to come off and come back, come back on the uh, the railway line again and um and it carried on carried on um and then it was a training session down at st mary's i was doing it by myself it was meant to be an easy 300 meter nice feel good session it was like i was running in treacle i stopped i went i, I went off my <laughs> with my off the track in my spikes and straight into the pub and that was it <laughs> Just, uh, i had a quiet beer by myself um a little 
small little sulk and um and that was it so that was the yeah that was the first bit and um, mm. um but yeah that was yeah I, it was horrible because you, again you yeah, what i love about marathon training and what a lot of people love love about marathon training is you know it's it's a massive chunk that you give away of your life and if it doesn't go mm. well it's it's mm. probably as, as frustrating as whether the race or injuries or anything like that mm. um it's uh it's a real challenge sort of thing and yeah it was sort of like oh, done all this effort i know i'm good i've spent all this money going to south africa uh, i mean i was having two cups of tea a day out there you know mm. everything was like diet everything was as you should be doing mm. as the experts do and you got no i was worse i was worse <laughs> an athlete than i was having a few beers and um and you know just just sort of taking a bit easier sort of thing so yeah so that was quite easy sort of quitting and finishing there um I'm glad I did come back into it. So you're set, when you came back again, it was um, it was actually the result of a bet, wasn't it, that you came back for for the second time round? Yeah, yeah. So I, I sort of I said, right, that's it. I'm not doing it. What can I do? And I was I was doing a lot of work at the London Marathon. My old man was the race director of London Marathon for some context, and um, I was quite fortunate. I went to the states and worked at other running events. Um, drank loads, enjoyed life, and then um, and then sort of came back and we're after London Marathon. I looked at the results. This is sort of two years later after after quitting. I sort of looked at the results. I'm like, oh, so-and-so. Oh, I used to destroy him across country. Um, someone <laughs> said, what do you... And he ran 2.31 or something like that. I said, well, if he ran 2.31, I can run, you know, I can run sub 2.30 easy. Oh, I bet you can't do it in a couple of years. I bet you. And it, I bet you a thousand pounds. What? I was like, right, come on then, let's do it. So we did that. <laughs> and long story short, there was a bit, there was some easy money. Um, and then um, and then I decided to, it was, it was sort of the talk of the pub after the race and everything else. And I think, right, well, there's, there's I went outside. I, I spoke to a couple of old coaches and I said, listen, I'm, I'm not being crazy. If I head down, did it, it's, you know, I, I know it's tough, but if you can do the training and properly dedicate, it's fine. Both of them said, not a problem. So I went back. Ordered another beer, faked a, faked a cigarette outside, pretending like that with people watching, saying, you know, he's all talk. Um, collected, collected some more money. And, um, and yeah, I think, I think we sort of got to 20 grand in the end. So um, <laughs> I had two years wow. to complete it from, yeah, from, you know, not in, great, not in great condition at all. And you ran it in Dublin, was it Dublin? Yeah. So, the, 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 uh, yes. So I did the first one, um, yeah, 225 in Sub two twenty five in uh, Dublin. Um, I, I think I won more money than the uh, <laughs> than the Kenyan athletes who were who were ten minutes ahead of me that day. Um, wow! <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, no, did that, and then yeah, what, let's, let's double or quits. So I did a double or quits on on a sub two twenty. Um, wow! My goodness. Not not for everyone, so it wasn't there um, you know a lot of people sort of walked away and there was a couple of city ones that did that and then i did that in florence 219 um a year and a bit um yeah a year and a bit later and uh mm. and yeah and then said right let's go again let's let's go for paula's paula's record and wow. uh and and failed on that one but i don't i don't talk about that one much <laughs> <laughs> tom i'm getting i'm getting a picture of you you tell me what you think would you say you were an impulsive person yeah, I think so. I, I think so. <laughs> has that what has that been? What 
has that opened up for you? And what has that meant for you? Have there been times when you're like, oh, Tom, what are you doing? Yeah, no, we've, I, I, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm always constantly putting myself under pressure and trying to over, overcook things. And, um, but again, it comes back down to sort of being a yes person. I mean, you know, I've got, mm. I've got myself into just wonderful, problematic, fun situations as well, where you, where you, you, you sort of wouldn't have been there if you, you know, if you'd have said no. Um, so yeah, it, it, I guess that's part of the adrenaline rush apart from part of, you know, uh, yes, of course we can do that. Let, you know, I'll figure this out in a second. Um, <laughs> I'm a dad, I'm a dad now. So I've got, a, um, just a, a two year old kid coming up to two year old. And again, I'm, I'm trying to not push him, but I'm allowing him to take his risks and things like that. And it's, um, yeah. you know, controlled risks, um and and things like that you know jumping from a seti to another seti you know it sounds yeah. ridiculous it's a 20, 20 centimeter gap but got, <laughs> if he wants to do it and i'll try and make it as safe as possible with pillows and that but you know it should be we should be doing that rather than not <laughs> life mm. life is better with a bit of jeopardy in it is what i'm hearing a bit of yeah bit of risk yeah. and you so post your personal running career you've stepped into a couple of different aspects. But one thing that you've done is you've coached athletes, you've mentored and you've directly coached at least three athletes. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, I was probably the correct term with the most successful one was Carl Langford, who was a, a sort of semi a co-coach. Um, the main coach, George Harrison, was my coach. Um, he's recently passed away, start of the year. Um, and yeah, no, it was, it was a it was sort of a brilliant time consuming, but guiding a ridiculously talented athlete 16 year old up into um the world championships um in beijing and and yeah no that was that was a lot of fun um you know again I, I've, I've, as an athlete I, the amount of silly stupid through being impulsive and trying to again overtrain sometimes maybe partying too much um running when i'm injured um um and i, I sort of as an athlete that's what I sort of did. I'd go through periods of like training really well, really fast back from injury and then get injured again. Um, it was sort of like an ongoing where, 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 you know, not that there was anything wrong with my coaches. It was just who I was and it's difficult mm. to coach, but you know, you want that consistency and build it over year, over year, little bits, you know, 5%, 10% gains every year. And you're, mm. um, and you're, you're doing that. So yeah, that was a lot of fun with, with Carl as his agent and, uh, and, and, and that and um yeah it was um yeah a lot a lot of fun and and just as a, a scary you know adrenaline wise um watching them line up against radisha over 600 meters and you know cool. yeah. and yeah just it, it was um yeah pretty pretty fantastic the highs and uh and but also you know absorbs your time well um, you, yeah you mentioned that and we it's, it's very clear and obvious that to be the athlete is a full-time thing and intensely time-consuming. And I sort of have a perception that being someone closely supporting an athlete is equally time-consuming. And so, but what what is it like? What what how, how does it end up? Because you're not you don't just like write a plan and then kick back and email it to them, do you? What 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 goes on? I think everything you know because you can write a plan. And this is the thing: George Harrison was doing the main plan, and and anyone who knows George Harrison, he was a great junior coach. Um, not to say he didn't do seniors, but that was his, you know, mm. bread and butter. And he'd take, you know, create, 
you know, Marilyn Okoros and um, just a, you know, a shed load of junior athletes and, and put them into the, the opportunity to beat other people. And um, he, he would have like a lot of coaches, just it's the same sessions, the sessions work. So, you know, he would do a Hills on a Monday, a Tuesday, similar, it would be a pyramid session or at certain times of the year, it would be 800s and, you know, um, so nothing special there. You know, it, it is because it's tried and tested. Um, and it allows you that consistency that you can compare and, and progress as you get fitter and give you, that gives you confidence and, and everything else. Um, I think the, you know, the, the, the stuff I was mainly doing with, with sort of Kyle was, um, yeah, is that progressive of being a serious athlete. You know, he was a um, you know, good kid um, um, and just really needed guidance. Everything from like, he was he was best when he was wasn't overthinking so we just do stuff like right the first 150 meters i want you to be in lane two on the outside you know mm. which is tactically you know he's got he's got the sprint he, he you know he can beat anyone but if he gets boxed in he's you know he's it's he, it's gone it's useless so yeah mm. we're doing lots of things like that he'd get ill so you're sort of trying to back off and you know similar things that i sort of learned um and wish maybe wish i'd sort of had sort of that one-to-one sort of thing yeah. of, of, you know, coming back, listen, you're not right today, let's cut things short, and, yeah. you know, you don't need to do strength and conditioning tomorrow, you need a good night's sleep, you're, you're still ill, all of them sort of things. And and the, the time-consuming part is is that it's constantly changing, especially with junior athletes, you know, it's mm. um, um, and, you know, they, they will do things and they'll make mistakes and you've got to, all right, we've got physio or we're going to work on strength and conditioning for this injury to, you know, but you've also got to do it for that injury. And it's just constantly changing. Um, yeah. And, and as, as, a, as an 800 meter runner, you know, during that peak, peak time of season, you know, you're sort of constantly racing as well. So you've mm. really got to, if, 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 if that's overcooked, then, you know, you could really be fit as anything, but your season's gone. Yeah. So it's yeah. very time consuming there, dealing with parents, dealing with British athletics, dealing with George. So it was, you know, it was almost a two hour collection of calls a day. Oh, and Carl, Carl made it to the world champs, um, didn't he? So what was it like? How was it different for you then uh, sort of seeing him succeed and playing your role in that versus, you know, he was getting to a place where you'd personally wanted to be? Just, um, just as rewarding. I mean, the, the world champs when he did there, his alarm, he woke up late. His alarm didn't wake up. Oh my goodness! And he didn't have he didn't have much bre- breakfast because there was some tomatoes in it, um, oh. and and he went out in the heat. So that that sort of experience, and I was on the other side of the world, uh, kicking mm. myself that I should have been there and, and, and things oh. like that. Um, but you know, listen, he he's he's had a he's sort of had a fantastic career, um, mm. Commonwealth Games medals and, and and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, no, no, it's it's brilliant. It's when when like anything in life when it's when it works it works well but it was good being with someone like a, mm. a, the good thing about coaching a junior athlete is that you really get to shape them as a human being as well and it's sort of you know i think there's lots of things that he could take forward from that um mm. some of them are sort of some harsh truths um as we all need in life and um and that, but you know some of them is sort of you know I think I think I massively helped him today by doing that. You know, at yeah. the end of the day, you can also overthink that. He was a talented athlete, and he, he would have probably done half of that <laughs> without me. But <laughs> so, Tom, I think we're hearing a bit of a softer and a deeper side of you uh, in this that maybe people don't come across initially. 
Um, and I see certainly something about um, of that in what you've moved on to do now, which is race directing Run Fest and opening up running for thousands of of other other people. Um, one of those things, one of the one of the Run, run Fest achievements is, was putting on the Olympic trials marathon during COVID. That was something that people said couldn't be done. What what drove you to do that? Was that your yes personality again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the my old man at the time was at British Athletics and on, on the board, and was was tasked with finding a venue or an event that would do it. And and again, you know, during the various levels of um, of COVID at the time, it was very very challenging. So sort of trying to get the best out of both worlds of you know like um, you know Manchester Marathon was you know the number one but as you as we got closer I think we were like sort of well my old man at first was asking me for opinions on this and we were looking at race race courses and controlled environments um where you can sort of almost private property as mm-hmm. well where you've got a fence round and you, you're really in charge of everything um and one of the <laughs> sort of, I was giving him some suggestions: Windsor, Bedford, Waterdome, um, Kempton Park, and we were going through various things. I said, I said, you know, the best place is, is Kew Gardens. It's it, you know, it's it's quite costly. It's um, you know, it's it's very difficult to do, but um, it might work if we tag it onto one of our 10k events. Um, mm. which would mean we'd have to put it onto a Friday and, and things like that. So that's how it sort of started. And we sort of went through this process and we were like fourth ranked um, and all the other um, better races like Manchester Marathon, they were favourites, cancelled. Uh, London Marathon, of course, cancelled. And <laughs> so we were the sort of last man standing a little bit um, <laughs> for it. But it was... Wow. Um, but it was clearly, you know, for a really controlled, I just, you know, we, we sort of had a bit of a challenge to get people, get people, the, the athletes were really good, actually, but some coaches and that get some of the paths of three metres, you know, three metres wide. And it's sort of, which sounds ridiculous. It's, you know, a path in Bushy Park or, or something like that. Mm. And, you know, it's it's ridiculous asking athletes to do this and sharp corners and things like that. But once we sort of were able to break it down and um, putting stickers on the on the corners for what, what my suggested um, take would be, how to take this corner and that, um, it, wow. was, it, was, it was very fun and very challenging. And, and, and anyone that doesn't know Kew Gardens, I mean, there's, you know, hundreds hundreds you can get you know sort of three 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 and a half miles around the outside but there's all these paths on the inside and we, it was sort of quite a joy to try and sort of use crayons and the amount of arguments back and forth with me and my old man about the, <laughs> about the fastest course and he'd go away and we say well i like that corner i like taking it that way um but i don't like this and you sort of mix it up and everything else so it's quite fun and quite challenging um because because you sort of had a lot to go with it was almost like a blank canvas really but had a bit of technical um um, issues for it you know how many laps is perfect you know if we actually if this course is better less turns let's go with that 
you know, calc- the amount of calculations on angles, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, no, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, not, not that we had any much else to do around that time. So like, <laughs> to, be, uh, to be doing that and having them arguments and, um, yeah, and then we added the race walking to it as well. So it was, yeah, that was a lot of fun and, oh. and but a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. Cause, I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was that similar sense of line of like standing on the start line of a race. It must have been as the race director on the day of like you know this has to work kind of thing. Yeah, the wind, looking at the wind, looking at you know, and I, I always felt as though even if it was a really bad day, and we didn't have great conditions on the day, um, but if it was bad, rainy and windy, again, you wanted Kew Gardens, you wanted the redwoods protecting you, you wanted mm. the um, um, you know. <laughs> going around the pagoda and and how the how the tree line would almost and, and it actually ended up being like that the, the, the way the wind the wind changed the day before and i think i think if it had sort of been the, the wrong way around it would have been a lot harder for the athletes but um that there was a, a really like the, the fastest part of the course which was 1.8 k and um the wind was behind the runners so it gave them every yeah. lap. They almost had like a Mario Kart booster as they found, <laughs> okay? And, uh, and that. so, yeah, that was just a lot of fun, a lot of pressure because, um, again, with a bit of bravado and a bit of gamesmanship and, and you know, to get people watching it. Um, I, I truly believe that, the, the one, the, cast was, the course was fast enough. This, was, this is our first real introduction into super shoes. Um, yeah. If we're taking us back sort of thing. So, you know, in my mm. mind, the athletes didn't have an excuse um, on them at all um, when it came down to it and yeah and it was just two fantastic races um, and uh, yeah no just a brilliant storyline with Chris Thompson and and, uh, and and no one got COVID so <laughs> the most important thing and you know that must have been such so rewarding um, challenging as well uh, when things go right um, got to ask you about when things go wrong as well um, because you had a bit of a shocker with um, Runfest um, recently a couple of weeks ago and that must have been you know we I run as you know I run a, a very small event by comparison for our, our local running club and the race director for that um, but you know I just I felt for you so much on that on that day what, what was what was it like for you personally as things were starting to to unravel a little bit uh, yeah. for you it, it, probably one of the worst days of my life um just mm. just we, we, the day before on the hottest day of the year we put on a 10k in Kew Gardens 1,300 runners or something we didn't have one heat stroke issue um mm. medical were all comfortable our control room was that and you sort of felt you know I don't know oh you just felt ready for it and 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 that and then everything was fine up until about 10 o'clock and then and then you know runners started dropping down and um you know we i think our pre-race comms were good we told runners it wasn't a race anymore people could drop down from the marathon to the half or, or drop down to the 10k um the new challenge is completing the distance with the weather and that and yeah and it, and it just it, it's, listen at the end of the day um without getting into too much detail and and um and making me cry um <laughs> the the yeah it just wasn't good enough and 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 once our medical once the medical team who were fantastic um once they were overloaded we we you know we we needed some outsource um you know we needed some more um, some more um, ambulances, which, you know, races mm. like Chicago Marathon, Sydney did it the other day. 
um, Ron Hackney have, have had a similar thing. Um, you know, it's it's just horrible. Um, mm. And yeah, we were losing control of you know just all of it. And and again, we're just trying to get um, get everyone back. Yeah. Funny enough, funny enough, the, the people who went to hospital had some serious issues. We're all in the half marathon, which absolutely shocked me. With all my, with all my, hmm. you know, I've been in the industry for twenty five years. Hmm. I know what I'm talking about. Um, that shocked me the most because that wasn't the case. And and speaking to medical. Uh, since and we've had a deep, massive debrief about the event with London Amsterdam Services and the council, um, and they were saying, "Yeah, yeah, it's the half marathons that really catch me." And then hot conditions, um, mm. because I think people go into it like if you're pacing a marathon, you you sort of mm. go out within yourself. That's the that's the mm. name of the game. But sure. um, when the weather's quite hot in a half marathon, it's again, I, I sort of probably would do it myself, and it's sort of like, well, I'll go for a PB, and if it doesn't happen, I'll I'll pull back, mm. which sort of put people in worse you know the, the damage is almost done with with sort of heat mm. stroke and everything else i mean it's you know it was the hottest september day in 120 years um you know we'd, we'd had increased medical we tried a, a hell of a lot of stuff um you know you know most of the course from your yeah. event head and it's you know it's not as simple as pulling up a vehicle and putting showers here and everything else sure. um and yeah, just things, yeah, just lots of things. You know, we had, we had three calls in for the same incident, you know, so you're having to send three ambulances to it because you've got to take it. So, so we were overloaded quite sort of, I say quite quickly, but, you know, with three, in, with three ambulances called for one incident, it's just, you know, it was, it was yeah, it, mm. it was really tough, but you've got to, you've got to try and keep a level head and, and, mm. and work with it and try and, yeah. What was it like? What was it like as a kind of, as the as the leader of the team there? You've got your own team, but you also got a massive team of volunteers. I can't of course, and you're you're trying to cope with all this information coming in, but you and like you said, keep a level head and respond to it, um, but also lead your team and keep their heads up so that they're responding well to it. How how what was it like to to, to juggle all that stuff? It was like again, you're, you're inside. You're just boiling but you've got there was one bit where we're just in the middle of it and and again i won't go into too much detail but my we had a marshal ringing up complaining that a member of the public wanted to speak to the race director because they were refused to take a a, a, um, a cup of water but we're dealing with that are the electrician on our site because at our run fest we sort of have an after party so there's a music stage Mm. a bar we had a DJ as well on the finish line. So it's all like there. The electrician who does our generators and that, his dog had got off the leash and was running around right in front of me. And it's just jumping up and down. Okay. And a, a friend of mine comes over. Oh, Tom, whose dog is this? And I'm thinking, like, I, I don't care about this dog. This dog is not the. <laughs> so, so you've got this and you're trying to do that. Uh, so I was, I, you know, um, I, was, I was saying some rude words to very close friends saying just <laughs> piss off and mm. um, um, to try and deal with, you know, a lot of the seriousness there. And yeah, I mean, this is a, we're a family, we're a family organization. Um, you know, me and my wife have organized it for 11 years. When you have, when you have the best days of good events, it's great. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sort of speaking to you on a little bit of a holiday now and, and just, it's still there you know you you just you just gutted it's it's like a hangover that won't go away until you have another event and 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 do it and um yeah you just yeah. but you again so that, 
there are so many things I would do again, but you can't do it. And and yeah. you know we're we're sort of we're sort of going through that phase of of you know what can we do and what will we do what will we do next time and and you know mm. we'll certainly certainly be better place next time. Um, probably not even holding it during a, a, mm. a amber heat warning. Mm. Um, mm. You know, it's something as simple as that. But um, yeah. yeah, just you know, this is, this is nothing compared to what some of the families were dealing with on the sure. calls and things like that. So it's actually insignificant, really. Mm. Um, so mm. I don't feel sorry for myself. I just feel angry, and you know, if if uh, everything from if the wind had picked up like it did in the afternoon, it would have been a little bit mm. cooler and things like that. Mm. Uh, you know, just. Well, Tom, I'm, I, can, I can absolutely hear how much you care about the running community and the people in your events and the sort of duty of care that you owe them and also your commitment to, you know, make sense of what happened and learn from it and, and carry it forward. Um, just looking forward a little bit um, and move, not moving Thank on because I know you're still processing it, but, yeah, just looking into the future. Tell us... <laughs> Tell us what what have you got coming up? What's going on run fest wise? What's going on for you personally as we look into the future? Yeah, we've we've, we've a lot more events, which is sort of quite um, chilling and threatening at the moment until you get the next one under over the line. Um, we've got yeah. we've got a great local race in uh, River Thames Half and Weybridge, um, October twenty ninth, and then we've got a few um, a few races sort of all, all in Southwest London. Um, a company called River Thames Running, where we've taken over from um, Quicksilver Events, um, another sort of a really good local op- operator, and um, yeah, so we've got we've got so many events coming up. So thankfully, we've got events coming up to get over. Mm. But sometimes, I mean, up until five years ago, we would just sort of organise one event a year, um, and, and you know, listen, we've made many mistakes over the years. You know, running out of t-shirts, not not enough. Um, toilets you know um medals or something like that and you know so we've you know it's um there's always something that you'll that you'll sort of make mistakes on over the years and that so yeah so thankfully we've got quite a few events coming up um going forward where we can um you know we can't go back in time but we can um sort of certainly put them lessons and learnings into uh, into the future events that's beautiful. That is great. And where can people go, Tom, to find out more about you, about the events? Where would you like to send them to online or socials, that sort of thing? Yeah, uh, riverthamesrunning.co.uk or, or run-fest.com. Um, yeah, it's uh, bring your own water. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and But apart from that, it'll be a great day. No, sorry, I, I, I do try and deflect humour with... Um, comfortable <laughs> situations but yeah uh, yeah this we've, we've had 11 years of really good fun we try and uh, mm. run fest events we've we have an after party and um yeah, it's, yeah. oh it's brilliant and we're we're not going to finish on a big downer we're gonna <laughs> i'm gonna say um i've, I've experienced your, your events they're brilliant i can hear how seriously you take everything and how much you care about running and the running community that's what shines through and, and the other thing that shone through in talking to you is you know, just keep saying yes and, and keep pushing forward and um, keep doing those, you know, slightly risky things. But And mostly they come off and they go really, really well. The, the world needs that, Tom. So thanks massively for taking some time out of your holiday to talk to me and Ed. No worries. It's a pleasure. Well, Ed, another fantastic interview with someone who just brings a real what am I going to say 
not exactly a completely fearless passion for life because he clearly also measures things up and and and, and recognises risks and that sort of stuff. But he's not afraid to have a go, is he? No, absolutely not. And um, oh, I think that just comes through from the came through from the very beginning in 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 what he's talking about um, taking you know his approach to life that joy de vivre. And, but then, you know, taking that bet to come back to running and then just, you know, winning 20 grand off the back of running 225 because he said he could, like, you know, and all the way through to, you know, taking on the challenge, the very serious challenge of trying to put a world championship qualifying marathon together during lockdown. Like, you know, there's not many people who would say yes to stuff like that and, and have the nous to carry it off and pull it off. Completely agree. And just that that story in and of itself was great. It, for me, was also another example of how he, I don't want to sort of say discounts completely, but you look at some of his achievements, you know, as a race director, as an athlete, as a coach, and they are staggering and quite sort of towering in a way. And he just wears them incredibly lightly. And even with some of them, he's like, oh, I know I could have done more. I know I could have been better. Mm. um so that's that it's that curious thing again that a lot of our guests have they achieve you'd stand back and look at what they do and they are so humble and unassuming about it it's uh yeah I, it's it's a funny one as well because obviously i like you picked up on on it in the interview you said oh you know are you impulsive um but i don't think i didn't feel like he's braggy like he obviously really really actually deeply cares I mean, you could tell in the way that he responded to our questions about, you know, what went wrong with Runfest recently that, gosh, it really pains him and he's not trying to excuse it and he's owning up to it. But, you know, he's on holiday in the Algarve right now and he's still really preoccupied by it. And, and I think, you know, that is that's a really important um, trait and drowning uh, fact is that he's not just doing it for fun, not just saying yes to things for fun, he's saying yes to things that he's passionate about and really cares about. Totally agree. And, you know, it came through as well when he talked about Carl Langford as well. Mm. I sort of heard that brilliant mentoring quality. He was coaching and mentoring, but he was sort of that, that thing that we sort of healed to be healed. You know, he was passing on his knowledge, his wisdom, his experience, because he deeply cared about this person. And, and it was intrinsically great for, for Tom, but also he just loved being able to care and show it to, for, for Carl and everything he went on to achieve. So... Yeah, like all of us, he's complex and he's got an abiding passion in life, which is running, and he's very good at finding ways of expressing it, which I think takes us to our sort of go-do theme for this week, Ed. Talk us through it. Uh, Yeah, simple one this week. It's not a big exercise or anything like that. It's just, I think, be inspired by what we heard from Tom to say yes more to the things that make you come alive. So you'll know what your passions and what you really love to do are. And sometimes in life, uh, we get scared or we don't quite know how it's going to work out. And so we decide not to do stuff. Um, And I think our go-do this week is try saying yes more. Love it. Say yes more to what you love. That's brilliant. Tom talked about his son. I think it was the 20, 20 centimeter leap across the sofas. <laughs> Find your um, metaphorical or possibly literal 20 centimeter gaps <laughs> to go yeah. and leap over. Um, that might mean that as you commit to something with a bit of jeopardy and it's going to consume you and light you up, that might also mean you get to say no to some stuff that is less for you and, and excites you less. And I would encourage you to uh, embrace that saying 
one big yes means saying potentially of quite a few no's, but that that might be exactly what you need as well. So that's the offer. That's the go do this week. Fantastic, Ed. Brilliant. So good to talk to you. Um, really good to learn from Tom as well. Looking forward to doing it again next week. Don't forget to follow us on social. Let us know what you thought of that episode. Let, you, let us know who else you'd like to hear from. We'd love to hear from you uh, at run underscore alive on Instagram, or you can find us on LinkedIn as well, uh, the Run Alive podcast. Mm-hmm.